The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor strength and body you are looking for in that moment when you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch simple yet substantial tobacco talent time roma craft tobacco the after show the after show the after show it's the after show everybody the show after the regular show because two hours isn't enough never is never is so here we go uh different subject Uh, Is it time to diversify and focus in the cigar industry? I say this because the industry is changing. I just came back from the Dominican Republic. I've heard from lots of manufacturers uh, elsewhere also, um, and they ask me lots of questions. What's going on in the cigar industry? There is a slowdown finally to happen. We had a great couple of years, but I can see a slowdown happening. They can too, finally. I made this call in November and saying you're going to start seeing things slow down. We have um, taking nothing away from how great it is because it is a new high for sure. Over 400 million cigars were imported in the U.S. It's the highest it's ever been um, in my 37 years in the industry. It it, um, was bigger than 1996-97, which was over 400 million. Now, during that cigar boom... There was a bunch of Don Nobodies. Everybody was in because the barrier to entry was very, very low. Yes. And everybody was trying to be everything to everybody, and then the boom dries up. All these companies go out of business. And what happened with the brands that later become legacy brands? Did they have to streamline their portfolios, or did they continue to be everything to everybody and just because they They had- streamlined- they had to, right? Yep, they did. So one thing that I'm seeing is brands discontinuing cigars that I thought we did okay with, bigger name brands, and they're saying, okay, we're not we're not making this anymore, and I'm kind of scratching my head. Well, it's because they need to trim the fat. They can't be yes. spending – they don't have as many rollers as they did three years ago. Right. So they have to shave off the stuff that isn't moving as well and really focus on – the brands that are going to carry them through the drought. And some of these lines are monstrous size lines, not for that manufacturer, but it would be bigger than any small manufacturers. And they say, okay, we're not going to make this anymore, which is amazing, right? But they're seeing things. All this discussion was happening. I was sitting with a bunch of different manufacturers having this conversation. uh, And that goes to manufacturers. On the other end, and I haven't had many conversations with other retailers when it comes to this too, is retailers got into lots of different things. And maybe they have their own brands that they not only sell in their own stores, but they end up selling it elsewhere also. Uh, Maybe they have cigar bars attached to their cigars. Maybe they have, um, um, you know, different other businesses going on at the same time. All kinds of different scenarios end up. We have one manufacturer that grows tobacco. Retailer. 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 That grows tobacco. You got all these different 
things that people have diversified. The two safe things through the pandemic, as far as business went, was alcohol and tobacco. Yes. Consumption was up on both dramatically. Now consumption, my guess is consumption is going to go down. The economy is getting hurt. People have so much disposable income. Plus, we have other things to spend our money on. We can go to restaurants. We can go to ball games and concerts and things like that. So now we're in co- we weren't in competition with anybody that you could drink and smoke, but there wasn't much else to do with your money. Now you got to fill your gas tank up. It, that is something to be said for that. And what I have seen so far on the sales floor is people that were buying, say, $10 cigars by the box have dropped down to $6 cigars. They're buying the same number of cigars. They're mm-hmm. consuming the same amount of the product. However, they only have so much expendable income. Correct. They're reducing the price. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. That's the first sign anyways. That happened in 2007. So the economy dropped and behavior ends up changing. Some of them smoke less. Some of them smoke less money. And some of them smoke less amount. And sometimes both. Sometimes they actually stop because there's no addictive quality to this product, so you actually don't have to do it. If it comes down to buying baby formula, which you can't buy, but let's assume you could buy baby formula, uh, filling your gas tank, or buying a $10 cigar, most likely you're going to not do the $10 cigar. Correct. Um, Looking at our huge inventory that we have, and totally diversified in the types of cigars we have is it time to slim that down is it time to have less ultra premium cigars as prices are going up to everybody and everything the manufacturer should and and i see again you can't stop all the work that was done to this point there's so many new things coming out for pca this year some of them ain't gonna make it right right off the, the bat majority of them i don't think correct make it. correct and then the strong are going to survive, and some of these little companies aren't going to make it. Some of these little stores aren't going to make it. it and that's how I always thought. But the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So even some big companies that they are geared up and going to the Dominican looking at these factories that have massive amounts of people, they're not every single week is astronomical, and they can get hurt too. So all these things, looking at it, I I went there for a few different things. But when I got there, my eyes opened up. And what I didn't go to is say, uh, should I be making changes here in in my business? You you have taken on a lot more value cigars, right? Like the Buffalo 10, the Montosa, the Terra Nova. Those are all things that people may be drawn to as they're trying to cut their costs. Yep. And then somebody comes out of this as the next Rocky Patel, Nick Perdomo, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Cusano, you know, these, these things that grew at the end of the boom, that all of a sudden they were the shining stars of it. Yeah. As this ends up happening, there's going to be shining it's, stars. So there's end. something that can't be done anything about right now, which is the cost of shipping was already more than tripled. And now you add to that the fuel cost, which is up. So surcharges that go on top of that, it is the the middle portion of the supply chain is more expensive than it ever has been. You may be able to make the argument, okay, somebody that wasn't growing tobacco before, maybe they want to expand their portfolio and start getting into farming because they can reduce their cost. 
what can be done about the shipping is nothing. Yeah, but they can't even reduce their cost of farming right now because the majority of the world's fertilizer came from like Ukraine yeah. and Russia. There are no fertilizer. So there's no fertilizer. And, and if you're going to buy American of, fertilizer, they're out of employees. Yeah. There's there's tobacco farms rotting in the ground because they got nobody picking the tobacco. They're not going to end up. They're going to end up. They're looking at it and saying, "I can't get people to do this. I'm going to let it go, and then let it just rot." And the tobacco, and there's a shortage of tobacco. Mm-hmm. But if they can't get people to pick it, unfortunately, when it comes to cigar tobacco, it's not a machine that goes through it and cuts the stalk mm-hmm. and, and throws it up. It's hand picked, right? And you're looking at 50 acres. You know how many people, and you got you got 14 days to pick that that priming. That priming. Mm-hmm. Well, how many people is that going to take to end up doing it? All these things are end up happening. And yeah, the DR had a huge issue last year. A lot of tobaccos picked by Haitians that come over the border into the DR. Yeah. They couldn't last year. Yeah. Because now there's some of those people that come over, got other jobs. They're not coming. So there's a huge labor shortage. Yeah. And if there ever is another COVID outbreak type of thing, mm-hmm. oh, my God, just add that on top of it if, if that ends up happening. So uh, I have to look at it because I'm diversified in different aspects of this industry and where should I, you can't focus on everything, right? You know, no. where, where should the bulk of my focus go? I say this, like you go to a restaurant and they make, uh, they have a giant menu and nothing is great. Everything is good, but nothing is great. Then you go to certain places that have a very small menu and everything is fantastic because they have focused in on everything to be to be great. These manufacturers, these retailers, all of us all the way through, because of the, the, the heyday we just went through, totally branched out into lots and lots of things. Is it time to actually churn and start focusing and say, okay, I'm going to be a value cigar store? Mm-hmm. The, these other companies that say, I'm boutique Boutique's a little scary right now because mm-hmm. boutique products, the manufacturer wasn't even making yeah. for these guys. These guys are getting and hurt. That's the problem, as it was with the last boom, right? That people see, okay, there's a cigar boom, and they're deciding, well, I'm going to make something ultra premium because they're buying everything I can make. Yes. Well, it's a couple years before they get made. When that stuff is coming out now at a trade show, are you buying ultra premium? I don't think so. No. You're going to be holding it for a while. This is going to be a very interesting trade show. And if this is anything like 1997 was, a lot of people walked around that trade show looking and not buying. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be something that they're worried about getting the asses in the seats at the trade show? (laughs) Maybe the asses go in the seats. but And they did that year. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of people. But I remember even talking to retailers and say, I didn't buy much. I didn't buy much. I didn't buy much. I'm going to ask you a dangerous question because I think I know the answer, but I'm not completely sure. Are you planning on the half day? Is there a half day this year? Yep. Going around with uh, some extra cash reserve and blood in the water type buying? That was the thing that they used to do uh, from that day forward. That It happened that year. And it happened every year after for a long, long time is some of these bigger guys would go around on that half day and write their own deal. They would actually say to them, this is how much I'm paying and this is how many I want or nothing. Your your constraint's going to be where you're going to put it if you buy it. 
We got a warehouse. Yeah, just yeah. got a warehouse. Uh, Coincidentally, uh, just got a warehouse. Haven't you filled a lot of it well, already? That, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let, let's not grow out of it uh, too quick. I don't want to have to move twice in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, uh, you act like you actually have to do any of the lifting. You know, you don't know the amount of work that is done over there. I know the amount of work that is done, and I know how much of it you're not doing, Ooh. which is all of it. Ooh. They're don't fighting. You, can't you see you love each other? <laughs> <laughs> you have that drive. If I could get away with it, I would have done it already. Um. Yeah. That you're in love with each other. This time you were a little late on the drop in. So well, it's on a completely different palette. Ah, uh, this is the after show palette. Yeah, this is the after maybe, show. Maybe I'll have to put it there too. A so, lot of love. Four hundred million cigars. Four hundred and some huge number. Four sixty. They're saying now at this point. Last year mm-hmm. was imported. Uh, the most ever. This coming year will be far less. Far less. Well, it, it may be far less, but. There, there's the the manufacturers that pivot and put their time and energy into the bigger selling SKUs are not only going to capture more market share from those getting imported, but they're going to have an easier time getting those cigars to market. So you could see the big get bigger. Well, smaller as far as the number that they're offering, the number of SKUs, but they could get bigger as far as sales because they're not going to be out so of So you those. know where they're going? They're going to Europe. Because that was a lot of talk and that was there, too. starting to see it now. There's new distribution deals Correct. happening out there. Correct. They, the price of Cuban cigars are going up. Mm-hmm. The Siglo 6 mm-hmm. is going to be a $100 cigar. People aren't going to buy it because the economy's bad, blah, blah, blah. And um, they're looking for lower-priced cigars in the rest of the world also. So these manufacturers, mm-hmm. what you, you know, some of those um, Don Nobodies from back in the day, yeah. I thought they disappeared and they were gone, but they some of them went home. to another country <laughs> in Europe, and they still survived and lived. Huh. And years later, and I, I saw some old brand or something in a, in a cigar journal ad years years later, and I said, "Oh my God!" I thought they were gone, and they were gone in the U.S., but they, they had a different country. Some of these people are going to try to do both, of course, yeah. and say, "Let me let me live also." But if they end up seeing that their cost in the U.S for the amount of dollars to come in, the juice ain't worth a squeeze, end up pulling out of the U.S. altogether. So we'll be seeing European distribution deals coming up. We're seeing it. Yeah. I saw a couple of them this week that yeah. showed up, and uh, and we are talking about good big manufacturers, yeah. but they're looking elsewhere uh, because they see, they, and for, but they see the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And they're all they're asking me the question because I have a a little bit of an advance notice from them because I'm at the end user thing and say yeah. okay the people are spending less dollars per cigar as Jonathan says okay maybe they're still smoking the same amount of cigars right now but the next step is okay they went from an eight dollar cigar to a six dollar cigar and the next is usually twenty cigars a week now they're coming in and buying six the more expensive cigar brands I think are going to suffer the most I think you're going to see the most ability for growth in that middle tier and low tier and also how much of this is going to be a race to the bottom as brands go out of business. Are we going to see more deals like the hammer and sickle deal? Yeah. Did you accidentally create a buy one, get two free <laughs> actual deal platform? Yeah. I, um, I saw that they're all complaining about the price of importing the cigar. And it used to be $6,000 for a container. It's now $26,000 for the container. And, oh, the price of labels and bands, I saw it, it went up. The box price, I fired a box guy 
there, way overcharging for the price of the box, and, well, their cost of goods are way up and blah, blah, blah. I understand that, but let me tell you, this is the way it is. And some of my friends that are in the cigar business, I said, I'm not the guy that complains when you take a price increase, but I want to tell you this time, if you're looking to do a price increase, it may hurt you dramatically because you're going to raise the price, your customer's going to get off your brand, and then what? So you took a price increase, and now you're producing way less cigars. It's a race to the bottom now. Right. Then again, your cost of goods are up. You're going to keep the volume where it was, hopefully. You're hoping to keep the volume where it was, but your profit margins are down. So that's there's many ways a lot of companies can go under on this, on this round. But if your, pro, if your profit margin's down, but you can make up the difference w- using Perdomo absorbing the S-chip, if can you, you can make up the difference, you grow, then it, isn't it worth it? Well, so what happens is, let's assume we're talking an $8 cigar. The $8 cigar goes up to a $9 cigar. The $8 cigar smoker walks over to his $8 cigar. It's now $9, and he says, no way, and he starts looking around. He's not going to an $8 cigar. He's going to find a $6 cigar. But- Maybe. That he can stay on for the next two price increases. But you got the ten dollar cigar smoker that dropped because the ten dollar cigar went to eleven. He starts looking around and he jumps into that now nine dollar cigar. When it comes to ultra premium that you're talking about, nobody's coming down, coming down to it. There's right. nobody there that you know. Yeah, you got a thirty dollar cigar. The guy used to spend a thirty one dollar cigar. No, he's all by himself, and then he drops. Uh, certainly. That's what happened in the boom, that these overpriced, at that time, overpriced cigars were wiped out immediately. I was selling the overpriced, ridiculously priced cigar that, at the time, were $10 cigars, and I was selling them for $2, mm-hmm. which is much like you're saying with Hammer and Sickle. That's a $10 cigar, and I just sold it to you for 2 bucks. There, all of a sudden, there was a whole bunch of those things. Yes, that will be me. That you, we're talking out loud here as, as I'm mm-hmm. thinking. Am I the guy that's going to go and say, yes, I'm going to buy all that? I know what it costs to make the cigar. Mm-hmm. You cannot make that hammer and sickle cigar for the price I sold it for. You can't make it for that price. Right. Never mind import it, 41 cents S chip, uh, put it in a box, band it, and, and sell it retail. No way. No way. That's a $10 cigar because mm-hmm. it, it should have been $10. It was $10. Um, but it was closing it out. The, the brand is going to be gone. Somebody makes that decision. They're exiting. So, Dave, only the strongest will survive? Only the strong will survive when it comes It's time for Incredible Feats of Strength, brought to you by Camacho Cigars. For six decades, Camacho have been working hard to build the best damn cigar around, and they have gotten through it all by sticking to their vision the strength to do anything they set their hand to. Camacho Cigars. So I, I happen to have come across the Guinness Book of World Records for the most number of pull-ups done by a single person, and it was done in 17 hours. I don't remember his name, but it was 4,200 single pull-ups. That's does the he record. Have a let, does he ever let go? He, he just did it in 17 hours. I didn't watch the video because that's a long video. Okay. Uh, however... He was st- done after five. Steve Proto has the most pull-ups with a 100-pound pack on his back. He owns multiple Guinness Book of World Records, like the heaviest weighted pull-up, and he does another, this is his, his next record, with 14 consecutive pull-ups 
with a 100-pound backpack. That's Steve Proto. How much does he weigh? <laughs> to be able to do that, uh, he, he, I'm going to guess he's in uh, 300 pounds. No. He's at all muscle. He's not going to be able to lift himself with a 300-pound pull-up, and he added 100 pounds to himself. He, one. of course, can lift himself with a 300 pounds. He's a bodybuilder of some I kind. I say he weighs 140 pounds max. No way. Barry's that's the guy that that's the guy that can do lots and lots of pull-ups is a, is a lightweight yeah not a heavyweight heavyweight can't do a pull-up no, heavyweights do do squats the they do squats they, they do pull-ups pull -ups. too they do not can you do pull-ups yeah of course i can barry can you <laughs> no <laughs> no i can't do a pull-up there might be a slight difference between the two physiques there there might be a slight difference can you do a pull-up with me on your back? Yeah, Probably you look, not. You look no. 230, 240. Hmm. He I could see. be 6'4". No, he's less than, two, less than 200 pounds. Well, whatever. Barry looked him up anyway. He did 14 he, consecutive pull-ups with a 100-pound backpack. Yeah, so if he weighed 140 pounds on a 100-pound backpack, it's a 240-pound guy. The guy that did the 4,200, he's a skinny bastard. Hmm. I mean, he's, he's chiseled and, and cut, but... yeah. He also is the first person to ever go through. It was something like Army Ranger training, uh, Navy SEAL training, and then what's the Air Force one? No Whatever way. the Air Force one is. He's the first person in the history to go through all three of those trainings. So he diversified himself. He diversified. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's 205.2 pounds. 205. All right. I was close. I said under two. You said 140. <laughs> I said under you two. You said 140 pounds. Well, after he saw the picture, he said under two. Yeah. You were wrong on both counts. Huh. Well, I'm not wrong on this. The economy is slowing down, and the industry is going to change. And I don't like that it's going to change, but it's going to change. But we have to make right decisions what to do it because the consumer's behavior will change. Yep. So we'll get to that. Next week is the long-awaited interview. I've been waiting my whole career to give this interview. I will give it next week. Tune in, see what that's going to be all about. And until then, uh, until then, stick the lid end in your mouth because you might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.